You're listening to Sound the Foghorn, the Minnesota Wild podcast made by fans for fans. For Kaprizov, back to Zuccarello, back to Kaprizov, he scores! Covering team news, prospect analysis, game-by-game breakdowns, advanced stats, and much more. Back to Kaprizov, he scores! And now, here are your hosts, Brett Marshall, Zeke Boyot, and Justin Baki. Hello, and welcome in to another episode of Sound the Foghorn. Brett Marshall, Zeke Boyat, and Justin Baki back with you Wednesday, October 19th. Not the start we thought we'd be talking about tonight, I think, as the Wild 0-3 to start the year with a handful of problems that we'll dissect. We'll talk about if it's time to start sounding any panic alarms. Jam-packed show, tons of Wild topics as, as it is the first show. Of the regular season with games being played, but we'll get all into all that here in a little bit. Got to check in on the fellas. Guys, it's been a couple weeks since we chatted. We were optimistic middle of preseason. Things seems like they were going good. Um, but, you know, how does, uh, you know, you know your Bulldogs are coming off a tough weekend sweep to my Mavericks. So, you know, aside from those things, how are we doing? Oh, pretty good. Thanks for the reminders. I had <laughs> to get it in there week, at some point. It was a shitty week of hockey overall <laughs> between the Bulldogs and the Wild. But uh, at least my daughter's learned to skate is starting soon, so I can enjoy watching her skate and not seeing her lose yet. But anyways, no, things are good. Um, yeah, yeah, tough weeks of hockey, but, you know, it's only one week of hockey and there's a lot of season left. And Exactly. Uh, yeah, just excited to break down the – not so good yeah and some good yeah zeke i know the uh the most recent episode of house of dragons was good i actually haven't watched it yet my plan is to mm-hmm. watch it hopefully tonight oh, okay. once we finish Sweet. um but hope maybe that improved your mood a little bit uh throughout the week how you doing tonight my friend yeah no i'm, I'm doing really good i mean to be honest uh you know it's i've really the last couple of years adapted uh i get i can get really freaking angry you know when the game's happening <laughs> but you know the second i go to bed and wake up the next day I'm back on Twitter, you know, with the typical, hey, everyone's top freaking out. And, uh, you know, I'm acting all, everything's fine. Even though, you know, the night before, if you go on my Twitter feed, there's a bunch of all caps, uh, you know, screaming basically going on. But no, aside from, you know, obviously losses, it's good. I mean, you know, it's starting to get a little that kind of cool, chilly air outside, uh, you know, starting to get that hockey weather, hockey on every night. Yeah, uh, until the weekend hits. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's like 60 <laughs> yeah, right. you know. Yeah. But no, it's just been nice to, you know, have hockey on every night to watch and just uh, getting back to that mode. And, you know, even though it's been three losses for a while, I can't say they've been boring. Right. Yeah. They've, they've at least had some entertainment value. Yeah. I've been mostly lucky to be kind of off Twitter during the game so far. Oh, I was at the opener. I was at the Colorado game. And then I was in Duluth um, on the game on Saturday. So I haven't totally been on my phone during the mm-hmm. games. So maybe that's good for now, but like tomorrow I'll be back, back in my throne in my living room watching the game. So I'll probably uh, take to Twitter and vent some. Hopefully yeah. not fr- too much frustration tomorrow night. But uh, yeah, 
Brad actually has like a King of Thrones chair in his. Yeah, his, I actually uh, have the Iron Throne right in my hockey living room. Sticks yeah. in the back of it. Yeah, it's, it's, th- it's like the Game of Thrones, but it's just hockey sticks. Yeah. Well, speaking of it, that'd be actually freaking sick. Yeah, it would. Like if that exists, I want to see a picture of it because I think that'd be pretty cool. Um, I think I have a whole bunch of old broken sticks in my basement. Maybe I'll float that idea to my dad. Yeah, I think you need to do it. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, We'll get to the wild here in just a minute, but as we do like to start off with every show, um, the prospects are in full swing. We have our resident prospect expert in-house here in Justin, so Justin, we'll uh, kick it over to you here. Ooh, nice voice crack. Um, kick it over to you here for the prospect update. Change of weather, change of voice. It's uh, change of season. <laughs> uh, this one's going to be one where I kind of fly by the seat of my pants. Um, we had a few good weeks out of some of our prospects. Caden Bankier was probably the top one. Uh, he ended up scoring a hat-trick and getting five points in two games. He's really taking off for Kamloops in that first line. And it turns out Stan Coven is actually in Kamloops this year. But Bankier, with or without Stan Coven, has really been taken mm-hmm. off, which is good to see. And then uh, Kyle Masters is still playing well for them. He seems to really fit in good with that team. He had a couple assists in those games as well. Just something you love to see he didn't really you know you heard a lot about his defensive stuff with red deer but he's providing some offense too with Kamloops now that he's on that team um Servak Petrovsky he had four points in two games in the past week he's currently playing right now his team is up six to two he has another assist tonight um that'll be updated by the time the show is up though um <clears throat> Carson Lambos had three assists this week in a couple games uh Josh Piller Two points in a game in one game, and tonight he's centering the first line for Saskatoon, which seems to be his spot. Uh, he's been playing first line, kind of switching between center and wing, but you know most of these guys have been first line. Like Bankier has been first line, uh, even like our Boston College boys, Nestorinko first line. Marshall Warren was first deep pairing, Masters first deep pairing. Yeah, and I think Warren yeah. was also named. I don't know if it was did a C or an A, but he's a captain, I believe, yeah. of yeah. Um, BC. And I believe the first uh, black captain in yeah. that program's history, which is. is pretty dang cool. Yeah, we had a story up at the Wild that posted it. Uh, we posted it to the Prospects page to uh, check it out if you haven't. Uh, pretty awesome for him in Boston College. Um, trying to see, scroll down here. I mean, that's about it for the most part for good weeks the iowa wild got swept by san jose last weekend uh, i watched the game on friday i believe it was and they went down three nothing and ended up coming back tying the game at three wallstead was brilliant beyond you know kind of the start of the game he made a lot of big saves to help help them with that comeback they ended up going to overtime and then a shootout Ended up losing in the shootout. Uh, they only had one guy score, but uh, Wallstead made a lot of saves on the shootout game, a chance there too, but they just couldn't bury that final goal. And then uh, they ended up losing like 3-1 to one on Saturday. So <clears throat> hopefully better things this weekend against the Texas Stars. We'll see. Um, beyond that, not a whole lot. So that's kind of the prospect update this week. Yeah, great. Um, I mean, good to hear, you know, a lot of these guys getting, you know, those top four, top six minutes, mm-hmm. finding success. 
Um, it's been good to see the Russian kids starting to get a little bit more ice right. time again. We were a little yeah, worried they, last time we talked, broke. but it's just I don't understand the KHL, man. No, I don't. They kind of both of them kind of bounce between like extra forward or fourth line, yeah. the first line to out of the lineup. It just it makes no sense, but you know. Hmm. Well, again, I mean, KHL doesn't make sense. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a it's a political thing over there more than anything at times too. So yeah, absolutely, for sure. All right, well, <clears throat> let's get in to the wild because this is the wild podcast here. Um, not an ideal first three games by any means. Starts off on a pretty terrible, pretty terrible game. We'll kind of walk through these a little bit high level game by game. We'll start with the Rangers opening night. The crowd's buzzing. Oops. Everyone's excited. And the Wild just get off to horrendous start, surrendering a three-goal first period, and pretty much never really recovered. Ended up scoring, I think, ended up being three goals in that game, or was it four? That's uh, three, yeah. Yeah, three. three in that one. Like, great, but they end up losing that game seven to three against you know a Rangers team who, granted, it's a good team, but definitely a team that the Wild should have been able to play with. Um, Mark Andre Fleury, you know, not a great showing in the opener. Um, letting in seven goals on, I think it ended up being 45 shots, if I recall correctly. So, uh, you know, the offense looked all right. Power play looked all right. And we'll, we'll get into that here in a little bit. But any other takeaways from that opening game and just kind of initial mm-hmm. thoughts to that team coming out in front of a home crowd and kind of laying an egg almost? Well, I will say that, you know, uh, you know, I, I was there as well, Brent. I got to say, I thought the first few shifts were actually pretty good. I mean, I think the top line had they made a, had a couple, you know, nice tic tac toe passes, and it seemed like you know they were the first maybe three, four ish minutes uh, actually maybe going to be you know have a decent game. And then I think it was uh, I think it was Jake Middleton, whatever, who you know took a you know, ill advised kind of stupid tripping penalty, which they of course scored on. And I mean, like you said, we'll talk to the special teams after, but I just uh, just seemed like that was you know for me that obviously was just a sign of things to come that you know pretty much like it's been in every one of these games but especially the rangers game the home opener every time you get some sort of good feeling or you know they'd score have some offensive zone time they'd be you know one rush down the ice and uh, in the net i mean obviously that's kind of score seven goals but it, it just felt like you know that uh, every it made every mistake possible pretty much in that first period especially and in the whole game so it was, it was very frustrating yeah, and I think to me, like, kind of the turning point in that game comes end of the period. It's it's 2 nothing. You know, the mm-hmm. Wild gave up the early goal, kind of battled. Um, Adam Fox gets one kind of late in the period. But it's 2 nothing. You're just like, all right, 2 nothing. You know, first game jitters. Rangers already played a game on Tuesday. Gets the intermission regroup. And then Artemi Panarin scores with 13 seconds left in the period. All of a sudden, it's 3-0. And I think you could just kind of feel the energy get sucked out of the X. I think you could feel it on the bench. I think you'd feel it in net with Flurry. And, you know, they never really come back from it. Zuccarello gets one on the power play in the second. Hedl gets one. Trocek gets one. So, you know, it's 5-2. And then Matt Boldy kind of gets two goals late, kind of in garbage time. Granted, they were both gorgeous goals. Uh, already undressed the defenseman. Undressed basically the best goal in the league, not once but twice, with some sli- slick hands and tight. Um, but, I mean, outside of those two bully goals, there wasn't really much to, to tip your hat to um, in the rest of that game. Yeah, I was going to say, Flurry was actually worse. He had seven goals on 35 shots, not 45. <laughs> but, anyways, oh, yeah. I, I just, like, 
that whole game we were not tough enough in our own zone. I felt like all their goals were – or a good chunk of their goals were guys left open in front or trailers that were uncovered. Um, yeah, we had that tough first period. The first goal, Goose kind of left um, left them wide open for the taking for that goal. And then uh, I felt like Hartman had a tough game, took a couple bad penalties. Uh, wasn't tough enough on Hedl on that fourth goal. Um, Chesterton, Chesterkin was really good, as was, uh, you know, one of the positives was Boldy. He looked bigger, stronger, faster, had those two sweet goals, like you mentioned. Um, kind of one of the positives. And then, you know, the PK improved as the game went on, but initially it was like, oh, shit, here we go. After we gave up that power play goal, I ended up giving one out of, I believe, five chances, which, yeah, you know, improved as it went on. But, uh, again, you know, just kept allowing goals, and it was just, uh, yeah, not, not great defensive effort at all. Yeah, they just seemed to let, like, the Rangers, they had a lot of shots, but the issue for me was so many of them seemed to come from kind of that high-danger area, like right on the doorstep. Mm-hmm. Um, I think like five of the seven goals Flurry let in were high-danger goals against, which means they came from within those dangerous areas or off the rush or off rebounds, and that's, you know, historically an area the Wild have really excelled is defending the front of the net. Um, and it just seemed, you know, it was everyone. It was the centers. It was the defensemen. It was the wings not covering cross-ice passes and getting out to the blue line to block shots. It was just so many things so loose defensively. It was infuriating because they looked good in the offensive zone, and a lot of that just seemed to kind of roll over into the next game um, in L.A. where Marc-Andre Fleury just had the most abysmal of starts, um, allowing four first-period goals, um, including, to me, again, an absolute, uh, you know, backbreaker when, you know, it's 3-0, the Wild battle back, they get two quick goals, make it 3-2, and then Marc-Andre Fleury lets in a shot from 90 feet out and through no screen that beats him right over the pad um, to make it 4-2 again and again. It's just the Wild, you know, did did kind of climb back there, eventually got it to 6-6, and then Philip Gustafson, who came in in relief, gives up a goal, um, and it ends up being, you know, I think it was something like 30 like 31 seconds after the Wild tied the game mm. on a Sam Steele goal, um, and then they lose the game 7-6. to six. So, like, the theme for me in a lot of these things is just, and, this, and it happened, I felt like almost happened again, um, you know, against against Colorado when Gustafson kind of flubbed the dump in of, like, Ouch. not only are these goalies letting in soft goals, it's these soft goals that just absolutely murder momentum, um, which has been kind of where my gripe has been. Like, if you let in a soft goal every now and again, fine. But, like, you got, like, these situations we need to stop. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think in the uh, um, in the LA game, wasn't it, like, I think four or five of their goals were all scored within, like, a minute and a half in response to, uh, you know, wild scoring, which, you know, as you mentioned, is just incredibly frustrating because it's a mock of a game. You know, you finally get to within one. Oh, now you're down two. And it was – it was funny because the wild Twitter account would go, it's now seven to six LA, but here was the six to six goal. And it was now five to four every two minutes. But yeah, I think it was just a lot of standing around, just puck watching. I mean, there's so many of those goals, um, you know, especially in LA too, even the ones you know, that weren't necessarily on the goal. It's just every, all guys are on one side of the ice, you know, you know, all the, all the forwards, a lot of, you know, lazy stick checking. And, you know, I mean, to be honest, it's kind of hard to, there are, I wouldn't in that in that LA game. Obviously, the fourth goal, you know, the goaltender has to stop every time. 
but I mean, you know, they had that power play with them on the third one where they had, you know, he actually made probably three or four great stops, but you know, again, like I mentioned, they were just doing on that whole PK, all they were doing is standing around, you know, like just like last year, not clearing pucks and, you know, just basically letting the opponent will them in the offensive zone. But I mean, again, when you, when you can't have confidence that you're going to get a stop from, you know, the blue line or outwards, then it's just, it's hard to, it's hard to be confident in anything you're doing. Yeah. And I feel like this is something we saw pop up. I think kind of when Alex Stalock started to play, when Dubnik started to fall off and we saw Stalock come in, the defense Mm -hmm. seems to play a little bit differently when they don't trust the goaltender. They, they maybe be a little bit more conservative. They get away from that aggressiveness that can sometimes break up plays. They can be seen kind of backing up. Um, in the case of the penalty kill, maybe allowing more of those cross-ice passes to ensure they're taking a stick away out in front of the net or something, right? So I think all of it kind of plays in because you've had sloppy defense. Now you don't have confidence in your goaltending. Now because you don't have confidence in your goaltending, you're maybe doing things different defensively, getting away from the rhythm. Um, and to me, it's just all kind of this snowball effect kind of, you know, where everyone's sort of at fault. Yeah, and with that, I feel like you take less chances on offense too. I mean, I don't think necessarily offense was, was the problem, mm-hmm. but – you know, you're like some of these defensemen might be less likely to pinch when they could have before and then given us a chance or kept us in the zone a little longer. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the common theme with all these games have been bad goaltending, bad defense overall. It seemed to improve with the Colorado game, but they still allowed six goals. Not ideal. Still a touchdown. Um, yeah, I, I will say I'll put a slight asterisk. Like, it, yeah. it didn't feel like the six goals like the other seven. No, you have, you, have uh, you know, tips from both Ben Myers and I think Nathan right. McKinnon had the other one that were, you know, damn near high sticks where I don't know if any goalie in the mm-hmm. league is going to stop those, out of, you know, at least not skillfully. It'll be, you know, yeah. luck or, you know, some sort of other fluky bounce. And then one of those, of course, is an empty right. net on top of that. So maybe you can look at it as three and you have the one soft one. So yeah. like from a defensive standpoint, like to me, both the high sticking, non high sticking are the right player, right? You have yeah. defenders that are taking these guys sticks away, getting them off the ice. So they can't hammer rebounds, trying to let your goalie see the puck. Yeah. And it just so happens, you know, some great hand eye coordination, some, some good puck luck um, that the Avs get that deflect both these, you know, pucks pass. Like half the rink didn't even realize Ben Myers puck went in the net oh, yeah. um, on that first Colorado yeah. goal. Like that's how just crazy and wacky of a deflection that it was and the rest deliberated on it for probably a minute minute and a half neither went to review ultimately but you know so like to me that's like I think like you said like it felt like things maybe started Mm -hmm. to tighten up a little bit I think you saw some good shifts you saw some more of those good things you saw you know it felt like Hartman had a better game um it seemed like Eck and Felino started to find their identity a little bit with getting, you know, in yeah. the mix, stirring things up a little bit. So it felt like a step in the right direction, you know, not not a you know a full fix necessarily, um, but progress despite it, you know, being a, right. a six to three loss when it was all said and done. Yeah, and I do want to bring up the good things too. I don't know if this is what we're moving on to, but I do feel like you know against LA the power play was what three for five, and then we were like mm-hmm. two for f- let's see two for four against the avalanche and you know mason shaw came in looked really good with the deweys and then addison the played out of his mind yeah that's true and then that's, that's that line didn't really right. like i don't like people talked a lot about how like that fourth line didn't play much against la well like after the first period they didn't really play yeah. much the other night either i think no. of 
think of the four or of the three guys between Dewar, Duhame, and Shaw, I think the most ice time the other night was seven and a half minutes from Dewar. I think Duhame had like six forty, and then Shaw had like five and a half. Yeah, was and that was mostly in the first period, I think. Yeah. yeah. But, so, I mean, yeah, I'm, and you know, I think that first line played pretty, pretty well. Of course, we got Boldy and Kaprizov. They they played well too. So, I mean. I guess if there's positives to take out of it is it's the young guys are playing well. Yeah. And I think, you know, I, I, I want this pot, this podcast to kind of transition. We'll start with the negative and then I think mm-hmm. we'll work, you know, toward the positive thing. So we've kind of hit on the goaltending, but I just kind of want to wrap up, get any additional oh, yeah, thoughts right. um, that you guys might have kind of regarding what you've seen are you worried? Are you in a spot where you think, you know, Garen and, and the management team would have a short list of goaltenders that they may need to look at in a trade? Or are you just, you know, it's it's early season jitters. It's, you know, big goalies that are essentially both brand new to the organization. Do you think the ship will write? Where, where are you at? What's your pulse on the goaltending right now? Well, I mean, I like I said, I don't think I can fully panic simply just based on the fact that, as I said, it's three games in. Um, it's, you know, pretty much too small a sample size to – you make any large determinations on anything, but yeah, I mean, Flurry's I mean, played four periods, right? Like it's a yeah, pretty small yeah, sample. Yeah, no. Not a great I mean, sample by any means, but no, it's, no, no, not at all. Which is why, I mean, obviously, you know, anytime, you know, there's absolutely reason to be concerned. I mean, the fact that he's basically almost 38 and, you know, a lot of people are, you go, well, why is he always flopping around, you know, moving around? Well, that's his style. He's not going to change his style this late in his career. And, you know, right. either like, I think Russo was saying on his podcast that, you know, uh, this is kind of what the goalie coaches are there for to work through the mental part of the game and, you know, just maybe get the confidence back. So you just can be a little bit more in control, which, which is, we hope he can, but I mean, I think, you know, the, maybe the worst case scenario there is that he just is old and just doesn't really have the ability to do that anymore. Um, you know, we'll see. I certainly don't think he's, I don't think any goalie is that bad. Uh, you know, at least I hope, cause otherwise, you know, it's not good, but, yeah, I don't, I don't have the historic numbers, but I think like the team save percentage right now is I think like something like barely over eighty yeah. percent, which mm-hmm. like I think like the worst like every year ends up being like eighty eight, eighty seven, mm-hmm. maybe. Mm-hmm. And like th- th- there is positive regression coming the Wilds way. We talked about bad puck luck. Obviously, these goalies do have to make some of these saves. You know, the the flub shot by Gustafson, the the point shot by Flurry. Um, but, you know, you had Marc-Andre Fleury after that game. He fell on the sword, right? He said, yep, that's one I needed to have. I was pissed. I let the team down. Like, it's not like these goalies go out there and be like, eh, well, you know, I got unlucky on that one. <laughs> yeah. know, they they want to stop these pucks. They want to make the hard saves. And I think the fact that they're recognizing it, at least at, at the surface levels, is a good first step. Absolutely. And I'm not going to hit the panic alarm either. I'm kind of with Zeke. Uh, I do feel like goaltending was one of my little, like, deep down worries before the season, but I'm not going to overreact based off three games. I mean, yeah, they were really shitty games, but, um, you know, I, I feel like things will get better. I'm, I'm usually on the optimistic side and, uh, you know, if they don't, then kind of bit hard. No, yeah. I'm just kidding. We're not that bad, but, um, got to get through with humor. <laughs> and the exactly. thing I will say that I think it was, uh, I can't remember if it was Rooster LePant from the podcast today, basically that if if this this had been happening in like February or in the middle of the season that no one's probably, we're not freaking out probably as much. Right. I mean, obviously like, 
that's your only this is your only sample size to go on now so that's kind of all you know but that's i think that's just some good perspective right. and, and there was people on twitter it was like someone like i think tweeted at me i don't remember who it was but they're like when was the last time the wild had two goalies that were playing this bad and i was like february 2022 like they had a stretch <laughs> of like seven games where i think they didn't they let in five or more goals in every game of course that was leading the trade deadline they had lost like i think it was like it was like nine of ten games and then they go out and made the the flurry trade and they lost like whatever it was like four games in the last like 20 some games yeah like <laughs> it, it, and it's a virtue of the same wild team right now right like teams go through slumps they go through rough patches and like unfortunately for the wild it seems like they're going to start the year that way but the good news is good teams figured out and the wild have a good team i mean there's a lot of great personnel here there's good leadership yeah. in that room there's talent on this team they're scoring goals right like if it was right. a combination of like they're playing shitty defense they're letting in a ton of goals and they're not scoring then like it's full panic mode but like there there is some good things happening on their end of the ice mm -hmm. and we'll talk about that in a minute but like i said i want to get all the bad juju out first end on a good note bring the momentum into tomorrow against vancouver so the other things like this we don't have to really dive into these that much but just some stats that i pulled in my math may be a little bit off on this but i did my best to, to calculate it out um the wild have yet to play with the lead in a game um, you know, I just wonder if they get a first goal, how maybe that changes things for them. Um, and they've only played tied for 28 minutes and 51 seconds. And I think about half of that is when it's been 0-0 to start the game. Um, so not super ideal there. Um, we touched on this a little bit. The penalty kill is still struggling a little bit. 69.23% uh, on the nice. year. Um, as of Monday, that was seventh worst in the league. I don't know if that's improved or gotten worse. Um, since I looked this up on Monday, um, to hammer in the goaltending um, and the defense, they're currently allowing six and two thirds goals per game, um, with Flurry and Gustafson combining for a negative 5.3 goals saved above expected. Um, and then I'm sure something we can hit on too, which seems this might be trending in the better direction now too. Uh, Marco Rossi had 21 shifts in 14 minutes and 21 seven seconds of ice time in his first two NHL game. Well, not his first two NHL games, but the first two games of the season. So takeaways there, I think I th I think the penalty kill will figure it out. We saw a lot of good things in the preseason. I think it's just continuing to <laughs> uh, jump back into things, get back to basics, find what was working in the preseason for you. Not too worried there. Um, and again, I think as we've touched on here in the last couple minutes or so, I think the, the goaltending will regress positively. I think they'll they'll find a way to figure it out. Um, so, I mean, that's kind of the yeah. bad things that I had kind of listed. I put this in a thread, but, um, Justin, do you have any other like kind of negative things? Have you feeling bad or anything, you know, anything there that kind of stuck out to you at all? You know, honestly, I, I don't, uh, you know, like we touched on every, there's ebbs and flows of every season. We're starting on an ebb. Um, I, I, I just got to feel like these things are going to improve, We've already said it, but the goaltenders aren't going to be this bad all year. I don't think the defense will be this bad this year, all year. It's a team that's kind of been built for years around defense, and we have a good top four. And then, of course, Addison has been really good. And We're about to get John Merrill back. We're about to get Jordan Greenway back. Uh, these are just things that are going to make us deeper and better. So, you know, I'm not going to freak out. I'm not too worried. But if it continues, I would be, but – it's just a small sample size, a bad start in the season. Yeah, and I think the other things to look forward to, um, reported today, John Merrill cleared to play, um, if not for Alex Goligoski approaching 
Um, career game, I believe 1,000 tomorrow. He would mm-hmm. probably be in the lineup, yeah. but they're going to give him one more day. It sounds like he could play as soon as Saturday. Jordan Green will be back in the lineup tomorrow, which means the Grief Squad is back. We know how important that line is to just setting the tone in games, to being able to shut down top lines. But we've seen Jost and that line didn't really work. We saw Hartman move to that line the other night, didn't really work. So, like, we're going to get that line back, which I think will be huge. Like, these are things I think that are going to help the blue line. We saw, you know, we saw the, you know, uh, uh, Middleton and Spurgeon get reunited. I thought they looked better the other mm-hmm. night defensively. Um, like there, there's, there, things are trending in the right direction, I think. So, um, yeah. So moving on to the good, um, some of the good things. And I think we, we touched on this a little bit about, you know, the offense hasn't, you know, been, been lacking, um, and just some stats here regarding what the offense has done. Um, and we'll hit probably, we can start here, but the power play clicking at 42.86% through three games. Um, as of Monday, that was the third best in the league. Justin, you should have tripled down. I know. I, 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 I feel like if I tripled down, I would have been the bad luck. Like yeah. it had to be yeah. someone you else to, re- to triple down to on it. You had to reverse jinx it by not yeah. tripling down. Exactly. <laughs> so that's been great. We'll talk about that in a minute. Um, Kirill Kaprizov is picking up where he left off last year, mm-hmm. five points. Matt Boldy, who we said needed to step up this year, already has five points on the year. Um, I don't know if – the stat may have gotten kind of lost um, in the fray on um, on the Avalanche game, um, but I believe Matt Boldy's up to 44 points through his first uh, 50 or 60 games. Maybe it was the threshold. Um, here, I'm gonna. I want to read this right. So let me find. Yeah, I, I mean that's. I talked about you know said sophomore slump, sophomore bump, and we. I mean three games in, we're certainly kind of seeing that sophomore bump happened so that's you know been a big plus he's been a, a big bright spot in these games uh like we mentioned those two sweet goals he had against uh the rangers were just unbelievable even though we we're losing big those were kind of just bright spots that you could grab onto um yeah yeah absolutely well i i can't find this stat but basically it was there was a certain th- however many games matt boldly has played now his nhl career and the total points that he has through those games He's only the third American-born player. It might be active player that's hit those marks. The company was Brock Besser and Patrick Kane. That's a pretty <laughs> that good company. Is, it's a pretty good company to be in. Like, company. <laughs> he's flown so so under the radar. Oh, here and, it is. And Sorry. He has, I don't mean to interrupt no, you. No, go ahead. If you have 44 points in 50 games played in his career. So yeah, which I believe. Even better than. Yeah, and I think yeah. Kane and Besser each had like 45 yeah. Um, which like pretty, pretty damn impressive there. Yeah. Um, and I think it's, I think Tony Abbott, you know, either wrote an article on this or tweeted something about like Kaprizov or Boldy's like numbers through his first 50 games are like comparable. And like, I think may even be a little yeah. bit better than Kaprizov's. Remember Kaprizov did that age 24, Matt Boldy's doing this at age 21, yeah. like <laughs> 21, 22, like, right. they, like this is impressive stuff. Um, and I think we've, and additionally, that we'll, we'll do some Matt Boldy fanboying here um, <laughs> because that's what we do on this podcast. Um, and I think on top of that, too, you've just seen the physical game continue to develop, too. I mean, I don't remember which player it was, but he absolutely steamrolled an avalanche player yeah, the yeah. other night. We've seen him mm-hmm. you know, battling hard in the corners, like really turning into this like power forward. And I think going into the draft, I think Craig Button gave him like this Miko Rantanen comparison. And like, I don't think that's far off. Like we just got to no. see Miko Rantanen be nasty, put up points. Like Matt Boley is continuing to develop into a star. And I don't know. I think 
fans in this market know it, but I don't know if the rest of the league understands just how good this kid is because he didn't start in the NHL last year and, you know, wasn't really in that Calder conversation. Um, but he's been unbelievable. We talked about the two awesome goals he scored against Igor Shesterkin. He's had huge pieces on the power play with assists and screens out front. Um, it's just been fantastic to see him getting off to the year without – there was a lot of questions of what would he be without Kevin Fiala, and it doesn't look like he's missed a beat so far. <laughs> No, yeah. he's he's still a star, top one winger, essentially, which, I mean, obviously, you know, you guys kind of said it all, but, I mean, it's just, you know, the fact that he was like a 12th overall pick in 2020 out of that U.S. class that year of, you know, like 16 guys is, uh, you know, pretty damn good. And, that, you know, that's another thing we can uh, thank old Paul Fenton for, you know, despite our dislikings of that guy. Uh, he, you know, he gave us Matt Boldy, who, you know, is hopefully going to be a part of this team for the next like you know decade it would be awesome but yeah with yeah, the salary there's... cap going up i think we'll be all right i think they will no, yeah. uh whatever bridge deal that he wants i think uh he mm-hmm. will get it to whatever extension he wants thereafter i oh, believe he will get absolutely it, so. um beyond that um we talked about you know how many goals they were allowing per game well they're seventh best in goals four per game i believe right at four even um which is great um their 5v5 expected goals for percentage is sitting at 51.3%. So they still are controlling the play. Um, and if you move that to all strengths, so including what they're doing in the power play and the penalty kill, um, right around that same number, 51.8. They are out shooting teams 110 to 107. And they're out, atten- out attempting teams 197 to 163. So, you know, like we said, it, it's been very high event hockey, which yeah. I think as Wild fans is not something we're necessarily used to. Um, you know, we're used to maybe tighter checking games, maybe not, you know, up until last year, not a team that was always scoring a ton of goals. But um, to me, that, that those are good things, right? They're, they're getting shots. They're scoring goals. They can find some of that identity again. Um, Zeke, we mentioned when uh, you, you cut out there for a little bit, you know, they're, while getting the identity line back, getting Merrill back, um, trying some new line combinations, you know, some things that maybe could help spark the defense. So some good things here. Um, yeah. And the other piece I really want to dive into because I think it's you know one of the brightest spots of these first three games is the wild power play. Um, they've assembled this top unit of Kalen Addison, who I think has solidified his spot on the roster um, yep. in, indefinitely with the impact he's made on this 42.86% power play, um, along with Matt Zuccarello, Matt Boldy, um, Kirill Kaprizov, and Jewel Eriksson-Eck. Um, like, I think everyone on that unit has a point already a power play point if not multiple of course addison had three points there against colorado two of those coming on the power play um and just like what are you guys seeing that you think has made this unit more successful outside the obvious you know kaylin addison's on it now right well i mean i think the you know the biggest difference um you know i mean i think there was some concern i guess you know with the fact that they were all left-handers pretty much aside from i think four out of five of them yeah the only right shot yeah so i think there was you know there were some people going well can you do how is that going to work but i mean obviously you said that doesn't matter just with with how skilled they are and i and uh, i don't know i guess i'm not 100 sure obviously like you mentioned uh, <clears throat> kaylin ass is a big part of that with just getting shots through the point and just getting to the puck to the net but it just seems like there's, you know, it, it seems that they're, you know, moving the puck just a little more quickly and, and, you know, getting to getting the pucks to the net instead of just waiting for, you know, the perfect pass or the perfect play. I mean, and we've still had those. I mean, that uh, that pre-soft assist to Eric Sinek against L.A. Mm-hmm. on Friday recently, I got that pass threaded through to the side of the net was great. 
And so obviously they, they can make those, but it just, just seems like that uh, there's just a lot less waiting around, um, you know, waiting for the perfect play or the, or the perfect pass or whatever. And they've just been, you know, getting pucks on net, you know, obviously and when you get pucks on net, you're going to get lucky, you know, kind of like they did against, you know, that, that goal against Colorado the other night that hit, that went off a couple guys' skates, but, only, I think it's the only positive think, puck luck the Wild have gotten in the yeah, first three yeah, games. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's pretty simple, but just get, literally just get the puck to the net. Don't play around with it around the perimeter, and you're going to score. It's, it's just I mean, yeah, that along with uh, moving the puck around uh, quickly, crisply, I feel like there's more movement. Like yeah. they're they're all yep. skilled players, and they're just you know they're making it harder on the killers to to you know maybe block a shot or or, you know, tip a pass and then ice it down the, uh, send it down the ice. Um, just the combination of just skill and, and movement and, and press passes has made a huge difference. And mm-hmm. Addison being the quarterback of the power play is, is going so well. Like, yeah. you know, he had a good year in Iowa last year and he could kind of expect maybe some growing pains in the NHL, but he's been phenomenal. He's, I, I, I think he's a big reason why this power play is so good. Yeah, I agree. And Justin, to your point, I think the big thing for me that's looked different is, is that piece you mentioned, the movement, right? Like, I think in the past we've seen this wild power play always kind of looking at one option, right? You know, whether it was, you know, when Kevin Fiala was here, was trying to get the puck to Kevin Fiala. Or, you know, there was times where it's like, all right, let's try to get it to Matt Dumber, Jarrett Spurgeon for point shots. You know, this power play doesn't have a, let's try to set up Kirill Kaprizov on the flank. Let's try to get a Jewel Erickson Eck tip. Let's let Kaprizov and Zuccarello play catch. Let's have Matt Boldy and Jewel Erickson Eck work down low, right? It's, I mean, just the goals I'm recalling, you have, you know, you have the, the Kaprizov shot for the wing hits a skate. You had a Keelan Addison point shot that got tipped by Eck. Uh, Zeke, you had the one you mentioned, that kind of the tic-tac-toe backdoor play, right? I think you had a Matt Boldy, like, rebound out in front of the net. Like, they're scoring so many different ways because, as you mentioned, they're shooting more. They're not looking for that perfect pass, right? They're creating some chaos through moving guys around. Um, I think Kalen Addison's – I love Jared Spurgeon. I love the way he skates, the way he plays the game. But there are a few defensemen, even right now in the league, that can walk the blue line the way Kalen Addison does with his head up, the vision he has. I mean, not a power play, but the play Kalen Addison made the other night against Colorado on Kirill Kaprizov's first goal yeah. to get that puck at the blue line, mm-hmm. head up, cut around a defender, make a cut to the middle – and then throw this like backhand saucer pass right yeah. on Kaprizov's tape was just insane. Well, and it's really not something good. we've seen our, our, you know, defensemen do in the past. Granted, yeah. it, you know, some of that has maybe come at the expense of him still being a little loose defensively. But I think we kind of knew that coming in that like, yep, Kalen Addison, mm-hmm. he's not going to, he might not be a great defender, but he's going to bring so much of this team in the offensive zone on the power play. And we've seen that. And I think that's what we were hoping coming out of the preseason. And we've gotten it. We've been clamoring for it. We said it would happen. And it did. Kalen Addison truthers rise up. Looking at you, Hobby, because um, he looks great, Justin, as you said, and looks like he belongs. And something we talked about, I think, on our last episode was if if he can really help solidify his spot on the power play, he's here to stay in the lineup. And it seems to be, at least for now, that is absolutely the case, which is which is great to see for him. Yeah, I mean, it literally could not, you know, has literally can't not have gone better for him pretty much the first three games. Um, most thing, mostly all things considered. So, and I'm uh, oh, sorry, Zeke. No, you you go. Ahead. I'll say, and I'll say this too. I feel like <clears throat> maybe he's been our best defenseman overall. I mean, yeah, maybe mm-hmm. um, at least on the offensive side of the puck. Um, yeah, 
we've had some rough games out of some of these guys. I mean, yeah, they're going against some of the top <laughs> top players in the other teams, but I do feel like Addison's had has been our best defenseman so far. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how many people had, you know, Kalen Addison teed up for. Is it is it five points already? Yes, uh, four. Four, four assists, so, including yeah. you know a three assist game to start off. But I mean, there's been you know some of those other plays too, where like you know maybe he wasn't directly credited with an assist, but got right. some puck movement going or things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing, the other like two little pieces that I've noticed in the power play, it seems like Jewel Eriksson Ek is and the Wings are winning more faceoffs, um, and the Wild aren't chasing in those first 20, 30 seconds. Um, and then the other piece is when they have had to come into the zone, it seems like they've avoided my dreaded dumping the puck on the power play. They're trying to enter with possession with speed um, and getting things set up that way versus dumping, chasing, and then trying to get set up. So, you know, some slight tactical adjustments, but it's seemingly working so far. Are the Wild going to have a 42% power play for the whole year? No, they're not. But I think there's a lot to like here. And, like, the power play's been so good right now. We, have, we haven't even hardly seen – like the second unit on the ice for more than like 20 seconds because this first unit's either like scoring on the first minute or they just like have chance after chance like the full two yeah. minutes and the puck never comes out of the zone so um been great to see that but um moving on from the power play unless you guys have anything else there you know we want to talk about some positives there i thought that's been great addison's impact um through that anything mm-hmm. else you guys have there nope not not on my end yeah. uh, no nothing good <laughs> Well, let's continue to chug along here, kind of looking ahead um, to what's coming this week. I think the big news and, you know, the thing that was very uh, hotly contested going into Monday was that Marco Rossi was seemingly scratched. We talked about he had a whopping 21 shifts, 14 and a half minutes of ice time in two games, including I think it was something like four and a half minutes against the Kings um, on Saturday. Um, You know, we talked about maybe that fourth line having some potential but it's you know really hard to get any sort of footing when you're not getting ice time the team's chasing they're maybe trying to you know do too much um so marco rossi gets scratched and all of a sudden it's like well what what the fuck is this is is marco rossi like if he's not going to play send him to iowa like what's he learning in the prex box a lot of those fears were alleviated this morning and the thing we've been clamoring for literally since the dawn of time or since both these players were drafted we have matt boldy Marco Rossi on a line at five on five together tomorrow night. Um, Rossi in the middle, Bully in the left wing, and Freddie Goudreau on the right wing as part of some new wild line combinations. On top of that, the Grief Squad reunited as Jordan Greenway is returning to the lineup. So we'll have the Greenway Ekfelino line back, which is fantastic. Hartman, hoping for some better days ahead for him, back between Kaprizov, Zuccarello. Um, and then I believe it sounds like at least to start it'll be Steele, Jost, and Duhame. Um, on the fourth line with Connor Duar, um, or Duar being the healthy scratch, which I'm not going to get me started on that because it's positives <laughs> right now. Um, but I think this is more of the line makeup that a lot of us were hoping for. Um, I'm excited to finally see this in action, really see Marco Rossi with some offensive talent. Well, I think – oh, go ahead, Justin. Sorry. No, you, you go ahead. You started. Well, I was just going to say, I think – I feel like this was the line that originally that they actually did plan, you know, if I remember right. I've seen that and and, and I think Sam Steele was, you know, good in the preseason and they switched it kind of and never, because I think originally they were at least rotating them in practice and they just kind of stuck with that until the start of the season. But I mean, I mean, yeah, like, uh, like, you know, everyone knows how good, you know, those two were in, uh, in Iowa when they were briefly together, not very long, but, you know, they certainly showed 
you know, that they could generate offense together, be good in the power play together, and uh, and uh, and obviously just you know actually play on the ice, uh, you know, and, and not be stapled to the bench. I mean, I think the you know not to get negative here, I just think that whole thing was just confusing in the fact that uh, yeah. they never really gave an explanation that actually even made somewhat sense, even if mm-hmm. you really disagreed. Yeah, so, like he needed a breather, and we didn't we weren't like matching the lines. <laughs> like is he that out of Dean, just is he that talking. out of shape? Is he that out of shape? That yeah. You hate to... Marco Rossi, Dean. Just say it. Yeah. <laughs> but we don't have a Ducharme Montreal thing here. At least no. it seems like hopefully no. so. That's good. But yeah, no, it, it's it's good. It's it's obvious. It's great news. Yeah, and this part this is the start of my bold prediction where I said that Rossi and Baldy are going to be hard to like. It's going to be too tantalizing to not put them together. Yeah. Um, Knock on wood, hopefully. <laughs> uh, but no, this is this is good. Uh, I was pretty pissed off when when Rossi was scratched. I just felt like, yeah, I mean, Shaw came in, had played a hell of a game uh, with the five minutes that he played. Right. Uh, looked like he fit in better with the Deweys. No one really played good when when Rossi was in. So you know, it's and by no one we're talking about the whole team. So yeah, right. And it's it's hard to notice someone when they play four and a half minutes in a game. So yeah, yeah. And, you know, and to me too, I, when you're when you're being miscast as your player type, right? Yeah. Like Marco exactly. Rossi is not a checking line center. Like that's not no. it's not who he is. And I think right. to have a rookie to have him come in and be like, hey, you know all those things that you're really good at? Yeah, don't do those things. Just go forecheck and chip the puck out of the zone and then get off the ice. Like it doesn't work that way. Like yeah. I had coaches through my whole career that tried to get me to put me in positions that I wasn't comfortable with and you start overthinking you start and because of that you start getting out of position you start trying to overcompensate and you get away from the things that make you good um and I think you know we talked about this with Kalen Addison a little bit like put your young players in a position to succeed they did that with Kalen Addison they said this guy's strength is playing on the power play so we're gonna put him on the power play Gee Willikers, that's worked out great. Marco Rossi's skill is he's a puck mover. He's a good center. He can play a two-way game. He needs skill players. Put him with freaking skill players. And mm-hmm. Freddie Goudreau, I mean, we've seen flashes from him, but now he's going to get a winger and Matt Boldy, who all due respect to Brandon Duhame and Connor Dewar, they're not Matt Boldy. Um, like you have to put these young guys in positions to succeed. And then from there, if they fail when they've been put into those situations, then maybe you evaluate and say, all right, maybe he's not ready for this yet. Let's get him back to Iowa, get the confidence back, get those points coming and then bring him back. But like putting him on a fourth line role, playing him for 21 shifts in 14 minutes, be like, well, we didn't see what we wanted. Like who the fuck can make that judgment off such a small sample and then say, well, he's not producing. Well, yeah, because he's gotten 14 minutes of ice time playing with two fourth line grinders. Like it was this. Like this is the right. same shit that happened with Jewel Erickson Eck when he got called up. Like everyone's like, "Oh, Eck needs to be great." And he was playing with like freaking Daniel yeah. Winnick. Like it's not gonna oh, work. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Sorry, oh, we've seen... r- r- rant over. But like, ho- rant, <laughs> rant over. It comes across there. Well, and we've seen Rossi and Boldy have chemistry in Iowa, right. and you know, I hope, let's just hope that they continue it here in the NHL. Um, another thing, you know, you brought up Eck. You got to think to was it last year they put him. On the first line with Kaprizov. Yeah, Roaring Star. Didn't work out. Yeah, the game. Yeah, Roaring Star. Patrick in the first game, and then it's just like, yeah, right. Yeah, it it just didn't work. And you put them with Felino and Greenway, and they become the best shutdown defensive line in the NHL. Mm -hmm. Uh, You got to pair these guys with their skill set. Like you mentioned, it's 
we'll see how where it goes. But I, you know, I got a good feeling about him being paired with Boldy. Long story yeah. short, or short story long, however we do it on here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I think you know you mentioned the uh, you know the grief line there again, obviously being greenedited. I think there's I, I don't know this exactly, but it seems like a lot of the stats you know suggest that you know this isn't surprising that Greenway is maybe if if you will the weak link on that line who's maybe kind of driven more forward by, you know, the Flano and Eck and how great they are. But, you know, I mean, I think we kind of, you know, almost in a way somehow underrate that every year, how important it is for all three of those guys to be together. Cause you know, every time, it's you know, chemistry. no offense. Tyson, yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's it. I mean, no offense to Tyson Jost, but I just, that's just not his role. Tyson um, Jost is at six, six and can just steamroll no. people. No, he can't. All, all due no. respect. He can't. No. So I think that's just uh you know, that's just huge because obviously they do score, but that, you know, it kind of allows, you know, the other two lines in the team to be the offense uh, of the group and not, you know, worry so much about the rest of the game. But I, you know, I think that'll, that'll be huge. And hopefully, uh, you know, to get that back, you know, get literally their identity line back. Uh, will hopefully just kind of open everything up for everybody like it has in the past. Yeah. And I think speaking to my earlier point about, you know, Rossi being miscast in his spot. I think some of that might have been the case for Jordan Greenway too, right? He's the second round mm-hmm. pick, was a pretty, you know, did some decent point production through through his amateur career. Um, I think yeah. coming up through Iowa as well. And, you know, the Wild cast him in a top six role. I think one of if I recall correctly, I believe one of Kaprizov's first line mates was Jordan Greenway. Um, that pandemic shortened year, I think he led the team in assists and he was kind of being put in this like we need offensive power forward Jordan Greenway. And I think last year, I think he realized like, hey, Moose is this great defensive forward. Eck can push the pace offensively. I just need to chip in and just do my job, play this two-way responsible game, embrace my my physicalness, drive the net, take guys out with my body. I don't need to put up 50 points. And it seemed like as the season went on, he got more comfortable in that role and his game like progressed with that. Like you need to put a guy in a position to succeed, find his strengths. They did that with Greenway. I think he, he, he found his niche and it improved his game, heightened his game. So like, there's just another example, completely different player type, you know, but skill guys with skill guys, checking forwards with checking forwards, got to put these guys in the right position. So um, can't wait to have the grief line back. So pumped. Absolutely. Um, Ready for them to stir some shit up. Um, against Bruce Pedro and the Canucks. So let's look ahead to the next to the next you know three games here before we record next. Um, Vancouver Canucks come in, I believe they're zero and four and have blown a two goal lead in all four games um, to lose them. Um, so definitely a team that's really much like Minnesota, um, a team that's surrendering goals much like Minnesota, um, a team that's got a pretty good forward group, good goaltender, pretty shitty mm-hmm. defense. Um, you know, I think this is a chance for the Wild to, if you know, getting their identity line back, getting some healthy bodies back, trying some combinations that should maybe, you know, click a little bit more chemistry-wise. I think this is a chance to be a get-right game for the Wild. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think for me the thing I'm looking for is can they get the first goal? I think if they can get that, I think we'll see some good results on uh, tomorrow night, Thursday night, whenever you're listening to this. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, yeah, like, like you said, in Vancouver obviously they have – down the middle, uh, you know, Pedersen, Miller, and Horvat. So they're they're deep at center, and they can, like I mentioned, they can score. They're not a completely horrible team. I mean, we saw them get off to shit start last year and then be really good for about six months. So it's definitely a challenge. And like you mentioned, they're motivated and pretty desperate to to get a win here too. But I mean, it's 
it's not, it's not too difficult. I think, you know, obviously like you mentioned score first, but just, just hopefully get a few consistent more saves. And, you know, I think, I think if they hold that team, hold Vancouver to at least, you know, three to three goals, I think they pretty much have a great chance of winning the game with the way they've been going on offense. So, um, you know, especially at home, it's, it's, it's just about time to get a win and hopefully get a good feeling going um, on Thursday or tomorrow, I guess. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, this is a good get-right game, like you mentioned, the last the last home game before you go on a road trip for one, two, three, four, five games. So, you know, get a win here, get some confidence going, and then uh, hopefully, you know, continue it on the road. Yeah, and then looking ahead, you have Boston on Saturday, who's always going to be a tough test. Wild Ferret, I think, pretty decent against them last year. If you remember the Boldy Rossi debut, they come out in that one. Think they ended up being at, beating them at home later in the season as well, and then you get a pretty soft stretch there with Montreal, Ottawa, Detroit, Chicago, Montreal again, and then Seattle. Like you get these, I think all what is that five of those teams? I'm pretty sure were bottom five teams last year. Now, obviously, mm-hmm. some steps forward probably this year for Seattle, Detroit teams that are looking to maybe improve on last year. But you know, you come out, you get a win against Vancouver, you go put a solid effort, you know, against the Bruins, and then you have, you know, a schedule where you, you could go on a run here. Yeah. Um, and I think it, it, it starts, I think, with this game, closing out the homestand, getting those good vibes going into the road. Um, not necessarily, like, I, uh, yeah, I just think, you know, you got you to gotta find a way to, to get the vibes in your head because it can be so mental, too. We talk, yeah. you know, they're chasing in so many of these games. You're trying to do too much. You're maybe trying to score, and maybe instead of just, you know, when you have a lead, you can just – you're always trying to score, right? But, you know, I think sometimes that grief line just wants to go out there, forecheck for a hard minute, right? Bang some bodies around, frustrate the other team a little bit. And when you're trying to tie a game, you can't necessarily do that. So I think some of those identity things, you know, I think that starts tomorrow night. Um, and I, I feel good, you know, getting some of those pieces back and, you know, a, a team coming in equally struggling and maybe a team with a little more pressure on it than than the Wild as well. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it will be interesting to see uh... – I didn't say today who's going to be starting in goal. I guess I would imagine. I think uh, they go back to Flurry. Yeah, that, that seems about right. But you know, that's that's probably the other biggest thing there is, and just get a quality start. Doesn't have to be great, but uh, just a quality start and uh, to hopefully you know get his mental space right because uh, they're obviously going to need him here for this whole season. And um, it, you know, just like like you mentioned, we could be sitting here a week from now and they could be like four and three, and everyone's feeling great. So uh, you know, just hope that's the Hope that's the case, and uh, you know, just hopefully, at the very least, just you know, just tread water here and get back up, win a few games, and then uh, go from there. I think if they win two out of the next three, I think I'll be pretty happy with that. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. All right. Well, we're uh, approaching time here, so I think that you know we don't have to preview those other games too much. You know, outside of mm-hmm. you know Boston's going to be a challenge, and they should obliterate Montreal and two smithereens like they did last year. I think when they beat them like eight to nothing and allowed like. 11 shots on goal um they got worse like they don't have a blue line like go, go look at the montreal blue line and tell me like a, a defenseman that you recognize and if that defenseman would even make the wilds top six because the answer is no um <laughs> um but aside from that any you know kind of final thoughts here before we head into you know this this final home stretch or game of the homestand and then just as you mentioned into a uh, a five game road trip after that um, I guess uh, not really much other than, uh, you know, let's let's see these guys turn it around. I'm going to continue to be optimistic. Uh, that's kind of how I run. Uh, 
this team is too good to be on three in my opinion and uh you know write write some things and and get back on the ship mm -hmm. yep no just kind of just basically the same thing i mean um you know we've, we've seen him before have you know that pandemic shortened season they started out like two and nine and ended up finishing like eight games over 500 or what so you know it's, it's like he says no big it's not really a huge deal at this moment uh there's you know, it's you know it could get worse, but uh, you know, kind of like Justin said, uh, it's really kind of impossible for them to play worse and allow seven, six goals every game. And uh, you know, obviously, we know how good they're on offense now. So it's uh, it, you know, it, it, they, I think the wins will come. And at, you know, at the very least, you know, in the meantime, they they've been fun to watch, which uh, you know is ultimately what we want the most. So just uh, it, just hopefully it'll just like I said, just uh, the wins will come. That's I don't think there's really any reason to doubt that at this point yeah and a friendly reminder that the president trophy winning florida panthers lost 24 games last year yes 24 games like that's the wilder they still have they could lose 21 more in a row and still have the most the president's trophy the best team in the league lost 24 yeah. games last year like mm -hmm. it's not time to hit the panic button as we talked about earlier in the show like they went through a stretch last year where they lost like nine out of ten and they still finished as the fifth best team <clears throat> In the mm -hmm. league, like there's, yeah. it, it, we're they're fine. Let's not sound the alarms. We're not firing Bill Guerin. We're not as much as we might want to, you know, fire Dean Evans into the sun for a day. Um, <laughs> it's, it's cool it there. Like, take a deep breath. If the, you know, if if this snowballs into five, six, seven, eight k, then maybe we can start raising some alarm bells. Because yeah. then a tenth of your season is gone. Maybe now there's some room to panic. But right now, folks, just. Trust the process. Believe you know they've got guys coming back from injuries we've touched on. So, I think I think we'll be all right. We're here to talk some sense, India. Tried to end the show talking about some positive things, finding the good, you know, in these miserable first three games. That's what we dear into on the Foghorn. We try to be positive while still you know criticizing when the criticism is due. Um, so hopefully delivered on that. Uh, but that's all the time we have for tonight. I think we hit everything we wanted three big games on tap and we'll be back here uh, in about a week or so. So Justin, why don't you uh, remind everyone where they can find you and all your work? Find me at the East 2004. You can find me at Caprice of C with Caprice of countdown and you can find me at MNW prospects with MNW young guns. Zeke. Yeah, no, uh, as usual, you can find me on Twitter uh, at Zeke Boyat, capital Z capital B for, you know, all my, obviously wild hockey rams and, and, and whatnot. Uh, you'll find me there. And as always, you can find me on Twitter at B underscore Marsh 92 with your nightly player cards, all that information. Those will be back on a more regular schedule starting tomorrow night. Apologies for the delay on those. I've been out and about, um, but those will be back. Um, be sure you are following as well the podcast account, both on Twitter and Instagram, at Sound the Foghorn, all one word. Those player cards, all uh, 19, sometimes 20 of them, will go right up on the Instagram stories on Sound the Foghorn after the game if you want to check all of those out. Um, and that'll do it for us this week. Wild and Canucks Thursday, Wild Bruins Saturday, Wild Canadians Tuesday. We'll be back with you Wednesday to recap those three games. Hopefully some better vibes when that comes around. But until then, this has been another episode of Sound the Fox.